Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Lystico of the Des Moines Register with our second Tuesday game week podcast for Hawk Central of the season. Hawkeyes are 1-0, Tyler Tashman, but now the stakes get a lot higher. Uh, this is your first Cy-Hawk game, Iowa, Iowa State, Saturday, 2.30 p.m. on Fox. Uh, a lot to get to this afternoon. Uh, we had our press conferences uh, earlier today here in Iowa City. Uh, let's talk about Cade McNamara first, Tyler. Um, he came to the podium a little later in the day, had a, a full, I guess, wrap or whatever leg sleeve on, I guess we'll call it, uh, on his right leg. Not, not that that's a surprise. It just seems like, Tyler, that this is going to be, based on the words of Kirk Ferentz and Cade McNamara, pretty much a season-long injury management situation. Yeah, and I think, you know, the point that, that you've kind of brought up is how concerning is it from a standpoint of him being able to scramble and kind of move in the pocket. And um, to me right now, I'm not really too concerned about that because uh, I was offensive line did a great job, I think, in, in pass blocking against Utah State. And, and obviously things will probably get more difficult as, you know, you start playing Big Ten competition. And, and certainly I think Saturday will be a much bigger test for the offensive line. But if the offensive line can do a really good job of, of protecting Cade and, you know, limit the vulnerable situations or potential scrambling situations that he'll be in, you know, that doesn't, I, I'm not too concerned about, uh, cause it's not like Cade's a dual threat guy. That's, you know, he's no Lamar Jackson. That's going to, you know, you're relying on the, uh, you know, a, you know, a read option or anything. I think it's, it's more just of can he use his legs if he's forced to and, so that's why I'm not as concerned about it. I'm more concerned about one can the offensive line keep the clean pocket and protect him so he doesn't have to be trying to run around every play. And um, number two is can the offensive line create more holes uh, for Caleb Johnson and LaShawn Williams and Jazz Patterson. To me, before you look at kind of Cade's ability to scramble and stuff, I think can the O-line protect them, and can they open holes for the running backs? To me, those two are more important. Yeah, I disagree completely. I mean, if he's a sitting duck in the pocket, it's going to be something the Iowa State defense can, you know, they don't have to account for his scrambling. They don't, they can, they don't have to spy him with a linebacker. I mean, uh, there's uh, you're basically adding a defender to, to Iowa State's defense by not having to worry about him running, and it's already a really good defense. I mean, they can rush – uh, they can rush more guys. A lot of times we've seen Iowa State, you know, with their three-three-five, rush just three guys. And now, you know, why not rush more? Because you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, you want to get to to Cade McNamara. You want to knock him out of the game. He's so important to Iowa that they want to have him in there, despite being limited in mobility. And uh, you know, he he now cannot run a quarterback sneak. Now, uh, Kirk Ferentz says that's off the menu. Do we believe him? Do we believe that there that Cade McNamara? It is impossible for him to run a quarterback sneak. I mean, I I kind of based on the evidence we saw the other day, Tyler. You know, fourth and one, they handed it off in the past. That would have been a Spencer Petrus automatic sneak, either behind Tyler Linderbaum or even Logan Jones, uh, both guys that can squat an enormous amount of of weight. So you run behind those centers. So I know it sounds silly, but just having the QB sneak even off the table is. Uh, that's not good. That's not good. They're going to have to find other ways to, to convert those short yarded situations. And I mean, frankly, they were 0 for 1 the other day. 
Yeah, I think the, you know, that's a valid point about the, uh, you know, ability to, to QB sneak it, but I'm not sure if, even if Cade was a hundred percent healthy, like I don't think defenses would probably have to put a spy on him. Uh, any, cause I'm, I'm just pulling up his rushing yardage from the 2021 season in which he, uh, you know, Michigan won the big 10 title, went to a college football playoff in the regular season. And, and I'm, guessing this is taking into account his sack yardage. So, but any, he rushed for 27 yards. So I I don't think that it's necessarily like a huge deal because I don't think you would have had to have put a, you know, a spy on him or um, really worried about it. I think it's more of a kind of a Houdini act that if he were to get in trouble and, and there were to be pressure, is he, is he going to be able to kind of maneuver his way out of it? It's not as much of a, taking a really strong element away from his game. Cause I think that the the strong element is in his game is to be able to sit back there and make good decisions, make poised decisions, make good throws downfield. And I don't think the the leg is really affecting that at all. So um, to me, it's more just, you know, maybe in the, in the three to five times a game that, that he is able to kind of improvise um, or roll out or, or do those types of things. You know, how much is that going to have an impact on the game? Like I said, I think it, it, it will, and I think it's something to monitor. But I think in terms of priority, I'd put above that what the offensive line is doing from a from a pass protection and run blocking standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you know, another thing Kirk Ferentz said today, and again, let's, you know, do we believe him or not? Said they're not running bootlegs with Cade McNamara. I mean, that's a that's a staple bread and butter play in Iowa's zone scheme where they, you know, fake the outside zone to the left or whatever, and then roll out to the right. Uh, we see that probably three or four times a game. Uh, that's that's also not in the playbook right now, according to Ferentz. Now he could again, he could be playing rope and dope with Matt Campbell and uh, John Heacock and Iowa State over there. Who knows? I mean, they uh, they're maybe they're playing some games here in the media, but. I, based on what it sounded like to me, you know, Cade McNamara is not <laughs> planning on running much. He's just trying to get to game day uh, for the most part. And that's probably where we should at least focus part of this conversation is it just seems like, uh, you know, what we heard from Cade today is that, you know, he's just trying to get to the game <laughs> at this point. I mean, I think I asked him if he could scramble. He's like, oh, I'm just trying to get as ready as I can for Saturday, basically. And, you know, as – uh, you know, someone else asked him, like, what did they say? Like, is your did your leg feel better now than it did this Tuesday than it did feel last Tuesday? <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, he's kind of hemming and hawing about. It. He didn't say yes, you know. So he basically said he's really sore, which uh, I th- it seems like you know my guess is just reading on on that again. You have to take this at face value uh, or not, you know, just depending on what you want to believe, but that he is probably doing worse this week than he was last week. So again, ongoing concern, uh, probably not going to be making plays in the pocket, like I said, and probably taking more sacks than he needs to. So uh, all in all, not great for the Iowa offense, but at the same time, Tyler, I would say maybe they want Iowa state to try to come after him. And because he's, he is good at making reads and good at making decisions. And maybe Iowa can, can, uh, can do better if there's fewer guys in coverage for Iowa State if they're coming after Cade. I don't know. It's yeah. going to be a really interesting watch on Saturday. Yeah, a, a few things about that. One, I think he said that 
uh, he was, you know, the, the leg on Sunday was sore, but he said, so was the rest of his body, you know, cause it's obviously playing in a physical game. Um, and as far as the bootlegs, I can remember at least one, they ran, I don't know if it's different week two than it was week one, but I can remember at least one kind of rollout that he hit someone on, I think it was, uh, it may have been Nico Ragaini, but I, I remember that being, you know, kind of in the fold last week. So I don't know if that's a new development of them kind of taking that out. But um, well, that was, also, that was before he got hurt again, though. That was before oh, that, he retweets it. He did that the, in like okay, first quarter, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and then I would also say from the, you know, if they are going to bring more pressure, I think you can uh, – I think something that Iowa did well uh, is running those kind of screens against Utah State, and I think that's one way that you can counter that pressure because that one – uh, to, to Jazz Patterson on a, on a third and long, they they dumped it off to him and, and he uh, got a first down. And honestly, it probably could have been a touchdown because Iowa had basically two blockers on one and whiffed on both of them. So uh, that was the only reason it wasn't a touchdown. But I think that now that Iowa has more playmakers than it did last season, I think they have more ways to counter what the defense is doing. And because and we saw like Jazz Patterson get involved, uh, Caden Wetgen on those kind of jet sweeps, and it didn't work. I think he did it a, a few, few times. It didn't work every time, but he did get some chunk yardage on it. So I think that because of, you know, you have a healthy Deontay Vines, Nico Ragaini, now you bring in Eric All and uh, Caleb Brown and Seth Anderson, it feels like you kind of have more ways to counter what defenses could potentially throw at you than, than I would did last season. So I think, uh, you know, even if, if they do dial up pressure or, or such things like that, Iowa has the the playmakers in place to kind of, to, to counter it. Yeah, we'll see. That's, I'm very fascinated to see kind of how this, this offense evolves. I mean, maybe the, the Cade McNamara thing forces some creativity or maybe it, it buries Brian Ferentz into even a further bunker of just, you know, uh, drop back, throw, drop back, throw. Um, hopefully, hopefully for Iowa's sake, it gets them to think outside the box a little bit, uh, try to come up with different ways to, uh, you know, get Cade McNamara like outside the pocket somehow. Um, you know, whether that's, and I, I asked him this too, Tyler, and I, I, he didn't really answer me, but I feel like the answer is yes. I said, do you feel like, in shotgun is going to be better for you than under center because you don't have to retreat, squat down under there to get the ball. You know, you're just standing back there taking the snap. And it seemed like to me he was more comfortable in those shotgun situations, but he said no. So or he did, he said it didn't matter. He said I'll, I'll do whatever Bryant says basically. But I feel like it's, it seems like more shotgun would be smart. But I guess well that's another little piece of drama. We'll find out on Saturday. Uh, let's go to our second topic, Tyler. Uh, kind of other things we learned today, and I want to start with you because you're writing about the offensive line. Uh, that's a That was the number one request uh, for my DVR Monday recap, and that was the main topic of that. But you know, it seemed like the Utah State game was a mixed bag. The pass protection, as I, as I reviewed the game, and I think that this was a commonly held theme, today too, talking to players is the pass protection was very, very, very good compared to last year. Like uh, not even close. I mean, I talked to Jennings Dunker for a little while. I know you did too. He was like, you know, the pass pro was embarrassing to watch a year ago against South Dakota state. And it was, you know, he thought it was pretty good. 
this week against Utah State. Run blocking, totally opposite story. So uh, what did you learn from your interviews today? Because, again, if Iowa can run the ball against Iowa State, huge if, but if it can run the ball, I mean, that solves a lot of the Cade McNamara troubles. So your thoughts on what you heard about the offensive line today? I think that, I mean, maybe among the the keys to how far Iowa goes this season is reliant on on Cade McNamara's production. And I think that means it's reliant on Cade McNamara's ability to stay healthy. And I think that means that it's reliant on the offensive line. So I, I think that, you know, that tracks back to all of what – how productive the offensive line can be, I think, really holds. It might be the most important thing to Iowa season. I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to say the most, and it might be the most, but it, I think it's definitely up there if it's not the most. Um, you know, I think, and, and like you said, it, it was very clear that the pass protection was really good. Caden McNamara was only sacked once. It felt like a lot of times he was able uh, to go through his reads. He had enough time back there in the pocket. And and when you talk about him being hampered with the with the injury, being able to keep that clean pocket and limit the times that he's going to have to use his legs uh, is really important. And not only him being able to make plays through the air, but also just keeping him on the field in general. Um, and in and, and the run blocking side of it, uh, I, I think in, in, in Kirk Ferentz, this is what he said. He said that so – Utah State had a new defensive coordinator. Um, there was just a lot of uncertainty of what exactly they were going to throw uh, at Iowa from a scheme standpoint, and Kirk Ferentz said that affected basically what I was what was able to do on the ground game. I think to a certain extent that that's fair. I also and I also think it, it's week one, so you know don't put all the stock into it. But at the same time, I don't. I was front should be able to handle Utah State regardless of what they're throwing at them. I think, uh, you know, a non-Power 5 team, even if they're throwing the most exotic stuff at Iowa, if they want to be the power team that they say they want to be, I think you need to be able to handle Utah State. So I think, you know, on the ground. So I think that was a little bit of a, you know, a concern. And the growth now, I think the biggest question is not where they start, but where they're going to progress from here on out. So uh, a lot of it was, you know, Jennings Dunker was saying, and, and the margin for error is not big. Like uh, Jennings Dunker was saying, like, it, you know, it's the first step. It's the angle you take to block. It, it's not like, uh, you know, these are, you know, wholesale things that can make a difference. It's, it's the little kind of minute details uh, that can make the difference between opening up a hole and not, and, and you know, allowing penetration and not. So, um I think it's, you know, from week one to week two, it's going to be interesting to see the growth. And then, uh, you know, if we're having the same conversation midseason of they're, they're not, you know, they're the same at the same place or uh, they're, they're worse, then I think that's, a, 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 you know, obviously a real concern because I think it's too much to ask, even with Cade McNamara, for Iowa to be like so reliant on the passing game just because that's not how Iowa has been built. So, right. uh to, to be able to flip it that, you know, that much from what I was traditionally has been than to saying, you know, we're going to almost abandon the run game. I think that that just, that's too much to ask from, from the passing game. Yeah. I would be surprised if Iowa tries to abandon the run, uh, even though it didn't look great the other day. Uh, let's look at some stats from the Iowa state game. Uh, they gave up 106 rushing yards to UNI, uh, but only 2.9 per carry. This is typically a team that uh, has made it difficult for the Hawkeyes to run the football against. Um, 
it, it frankly been a really good defense against Iowa, as Kirk Ferentz said, basically the last, you know, since 2018. I mean, that was a 10 to 3 game in 2018, 18 to 17 in 2019, um, you know, 27 17 in 2021, but obviously a defensive touchdown on there for the Hawkeyes. And then, uh, you know, seven or I'm sorry, 10 to 7 last year. So, you know, that's just, Iowa's just had five offensive touchdowns the last four meetings against the Cyclones. And I'm, I think I'm doing that right in my head. That's pretty, that's pretty staggering. <laughs> only, only uh, an average of one and a quarter touchdowns per game for the Hawkeyes offense. Um, got one from the defense in there, but in a bunch of field goals, but still uh, it's good. Every yard's going to be really tough and it will come down to good offensive line play. Um, it did seem like there was some positive news. I don't know if he's going to play this week, but Bo Stevens, who started uh, 10 games last year for the Hawkeyes at right guard is – or at guard. I think he, he flexed left and right from um, throughout the season. But uh, he had uh, – remember that that press conference we had the day that Ferentz said, like, Noah Shannon was out? He's like, we dodged a bullet on Saturday or whatever. It sounds like Bo Stevens was the guy they dodged the bullet on. They thought it was a, something serious. It ended up being a bruise. So he's been out two weeks. So he could be back into the offensive line rotation sooner rather than later. I don't know if we'll expect him this week, but that's a that's a depth piece that gives you a, you know that's probably why Tyler Ellsbury was in at right right guard the other day that Stevens has missed some time. So a little update there on your line. Let's flip it to the other side of the ball. I talked to uh, I know you did too, but uh, Cooper DeGene I thought was pretty interesting um, talking about you know what what can you learn from Iowa State? You know they ran only forty five plays of offense, which is crazy. Um, you know, they talk about all this film that they want to see <laughs> or they're so much better when they get opponent film, but they only had 45 plays. Uh, you know, some of those were JJ Cole, some of them were Rocco Becht. So how much can you really learn? So Cooper said they've been studying a lot of past years, you know, what's hurt them in past years against Iowa state. Uh, I'm inter- I'm super, super interested to see how this Iowa defense fares. I almost feel like knowing the Cade McNamara injury situation, it's going to be an ongoing saga, but this defense has to have one of its Iowa defense type of games uh, to be able to pull this one out on Saturday. I'm really excited to see how they handle the rookie quarterbacks for the Cyclones. And and I'm interested too to just see what you know. I think one of the issues that Iowa ran into against Utah State was because Utah State was so spread out. And you have Nick Jackson out there on the perimeter, and that creates mismatches when, uh, you know, a linebacker has to uh, cover someone that's a lot quicker. You know, I'm wondering if Iowa State looks at that and, and you know, other teams down the road uh, and, and sees that and, and, and goes a little bit more spread or goes, uh, you know, with some schemes more spread out to put Iowa kind of in unfavorable positions. Um you know, I think the looking back at the film from Utah State, you know, it didn't feel like Iowa's defensive line had a you know a great day in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback. But I think a lot of that was uh, due to uh, how quickly Utah State was getting the ball. There were a ton of bubble screens, a ton of quick passes. So I don't feel like that was necessarily uh, fully representative of, of what the defensive line is capable of and and maybe maybe the Noah Shannon loss is more than uh you know we initially thought maybe Lucas Van Ness um as well losing him to the NFL but I think it's still too early to tell because like I said just the, the way that Utah State was playing made it really difficult 
uh, for there to be enough time to get pressure on the quarterback. But I think that kind of that the defensive line sets the tone for the rest of the defense, because, right, if you get pressure on the quarterback, if you shut down the run, that's going to open up, uh, you know, Cooper to Gene for a chance to get a pick to Sean Lee. Xavier Wampa, who, by the way, that was a, that was a great interception that he had uh, against Utah State. And I think on defense, too, it, part of it is kind of just finishing those little plays because uh, Iowa could have at least had two more takeaways against Utah State. There was uh, that one that Jay Higgins could have picked off, uh, one that was right in the hands of Cooper to Gene. Deshaun Lee had a pick, but it was taken away because of the penalty. It, it felt like that Utah State game could have been a 21 point plus win for Iowa if they had a couple more of those things go their way. And, and in a game against Iowa state on the road in a tough environment, that might be those, those little plays might be the difference between a win and a loss rather than a 10 point and a, you know, 21 point win. Yeah. Great point. And uh, one last Cooper DeGene item is before we move to our final topic is it was just kind of funny. Like I just asked him like, Hey, did you, were you at the stadium? In 2021, in that top 10 showdown, he's like, no, I was in my dorm room watching the game. So <laughs> he didn't make the travel roster two years ago at Iowa State and uh, rooting for the team and watching it on TV, basically. Uh, and now, you know, two years later, he's the preseason All-American. It's just kind of crazy to think he's never played at Jack Trice. He's never been there as a player. He was And, and he was there as a fan, which is kind of interesting. In 2019, he grew up a Hawk fan uh, over in Northwest Iowa. <clears throat> And uh, stayed for that six-hour rain delay. I asked him if he made it to the end. He said he did. He made it to the end of that game. Iowa won at 18-17. So uh, Cooper DeGene ready to make his mark at Jack Trice on Saturday. And speaking of, let's move to our final topic, which was kind of hilarious. <laughs> like to like end uh, last week we ended on the punter, and this week we end on rivalry game middle fingers. That was like. It started with Tory Taylor <laughs> talking about eight-year-olds flipping them off uh, while they entered the building. And then uh, I want to say Luke Lachey said something about that. Then Joe Evans said something about that. And then Cade McNamara said something about that. <laughs> but like, they were like, what, did, what have you heard about the Iowa State rivalry? He's like, well, sounds like there's a lot of middle finger stories. So <laughs> I, maybe it was like one kid doing it, but it, it's really exploded. And it's become kind of humorous that like all these kids like ah, flipping off like the, <laughs> the Hawk players as they come into the into Jack Trace Stadium. It's just it's kind of funny. It just makes me laugh just how things get so blown out of proportion. <laughs> well, well, and someone had asked uh, Seth Anderson of if, if he played in a and then, you know, in an environment kind of like that. And he said that, so Charleston Southern played at ECU. And he said they had uh, cans thrown at them. Like, I guess, I don't know if they were beer or soda, but uh, can, like crushed, like can, they, they didn't have liquid in them. But he said that that was a comparable, I guess, atmosphere. I, I don't wow. you know, I don't, but anyhow. Well, so, it, it just means yeah. more in the South, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think in, in, kind of spinning this off of the atmosphere that I feel like this is going to be the first real measuring stick to where Iowa is and how far they have to go if they if they want to make the Big Ten championship game, if they want to have a chance at winning that game. Uh, being, you know, going into a difficult atmosphere against your rival, uh, I feel like this is going to be, you know, the first real measuring stick and, and litmus test to, to where Iowa is. How are they going to be able to, you know, handle all these elements, how, how much 
of a jump are they going to be able to make from week one to week two? Because it felt like there there was still a lot to be desired after week one. And, and it felt like fixes that could be made, a lot of just little timing things. Um, I think, you know, the obvious next kind of test will be at Penn State. And I think that's one that you look at as, as being a game that will tell you very much if Iowa is legit at this point in the season or not, if they're able to compete or, you know, win that game. But I think before that, this is, this is the type of game that if you want to, if, 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 if I was going to be the team that it says it wants to be, this is a game that you need go in and need a win. And, and whether it's ugly or pretty, you know, I think you need to go in there, do what's needs to be done and get, get out with a win uh, if they're able to do that, I, I, you know, I think it's encouraging in terms of the trajectory of the season. If not, I think it kind of continues to drop more uh, doubt into, you know, how all this is coming together and, and, and where Iowa ultimately can end up the season. Yeah, those are good points. Uh, I just kind of got a sense today, and they would never say this, but I just got a sense that maybe Iowa was, you know, I mean, even Kirk Ferris pulled Cade McNamara last game with eight and a half minutes to go. He never would have done that uh, in a Big Ten game. Um, just feel like they were kind of pointing towards this week all along, trying to get to this week and get there as healthy as possible. Whereas I feel like Iowa State, um, Iowa State was reminded constantly how uh, you know you and I is dangerous and has always played Iowa State close. And I feel like Iowa State really came into that opener, really focused and did a great job. And I feel like Iowa maybe just sort of, I don't know, kind of got by in week one. And I feel like I just sensed a really strong uh, amount of focus uh, on this game and just the importance of this game. And just like you said, Tyler, I feel like they feel like they can come out and make a statement. And I feel like that's true, especially on defense. I almost feel like that last touchdown that Utah State got could be a real blessing in disguise uh, long term, just that – yeah, kind of put a little bit of a damper on the day uh, t- to be 24-14, then not even be able to run out the clock and punt again, have the defense back on the field, put your starters back out there. Uh, you know, what can they go finish the job this week? Uh, you know, I, I think it's a great, great litmus test, as you said, because this is a game they should win. They're favored by three and a half, four points. I mean, not that they should win big, but they should – they're favored to win. Um, so – Go get the job done. You get next week again against Western Michigan. That's the easiest, <laughs> probably the easiest remaining game on the schedule, though Northwestern looked pretty awful <laughs> the other day. Um, but it gives you a little bit of a break if you can get this one. And I totally agree with you where any kind of – like there was a lot of complaining after this this last Utah State game, and I get it. I mean, you wanted it to look nicer, especially after the good start. But – when I rewatched the game, I, I did not see enormous red flags. I saw a team that was improved from last year's week one. And, uh, yeah, the defense could have played a little better, but but frankly, they were still in control the whole game. So uh, a chance here for Iowa to kind of make a statement is what I'm saying. And, and any type of win, just take it take it this week because you get Western Michigan next week. Heck, maybe you can even rest Cade next week uh, potentially uh, and then be ready for Penn State. So – as you said, a huge game. Cade's talked big about where he wants to take this team, at least privately. So, uh, and the guys, the guys been in lots of rivalry games before. So, I still think that having Cade McNamara on your side is probably better than uh, better than not right now. 
No, and I, I agree. And I, I think as, as many questions as I have about, you know, the offensive line and, and the run game, I think I saw a lot of encouraging things on Saturday. I think that they're, they're capable of much more, more after rewatching the game. It felt like a lot of the timing was just a hair off, like on, on the offensive side of the ball, at least. And that's one where you have to understand that first off, Cade McNamara, that was his first game action in almost a year that this is a offensive roster that has a lot of new pieces uh, that, that this is just game one. So I think the fact that uh, I think their upside is, is far higher than last season without a doubt. Um, And I think that there's a lot of just, it's just little timing things that it, it more, it felt like Iowa was really close to just, making that a total beatdown. It felt it did not watching it back. Um, it did not feel like it was as close as it was. It felt like Iowa was in control. Um, and, and I understand the concerns you want to, you know, with the hype in this off season, you, you would have loved to have them come out and drop 56 points. You know, I, I don't think anybody would have complained with that, but at the same time, I think uh, there were a lot of positives and, and the room for growth. Now, you know, I think it does kind of, maybe leave Iowa with a touch of bad taste in their mouth out of week one, knowing that they still have so much more room to continue to grow. Absolutely. And uh, with that, we will be with you tomorrow night on Hawk Central Radio, and then we'll catch you post-game from Jack Trice Stadium on Saturday night. should be a lot of fun. Uh, even uh, former president coming to the game on Saturday. So the circus begins uh, this week, Tyler. Uh, welcome. This will be your first trip up there. Looking forward to being up there with you and looking forward to – to covering this for you Hawkeye fans. Thanks for listening to the Hawk Central Podcast today. Chad Lysico, Tyler Tashman saying so long. Talk to you very soon.